Welcome to the Startups Roundtable podcast, where we discuss the science and art of startups with founders and the broader startup community. I'm Tony Hackett, and I've spent over a third of my B2B sales career either working for early stage startups or as a go-to-market and social selling mentor for founders and their teams. In each episode, we will explore various topics, including decision-making, team-building, and growth strategies. Before we meet today's guest, I'd like to start with an acknowledgement of country. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet. Here in Sydney, it's the Gadigal people. We pay respect to elders past, present and emerging and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people attending today. In this episode, I was able to speak with Alexander Pavlenko, the CEO and co-founder of Choosy, which is an edtech career guidance startup to help school children decide on their future profession. They do this through their app by helping to identify soft skills, improve hard skills, and ultimately assist in getting their desired job. So let's get to it and meet Alexander. Alexandra, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm really excited to hear about your startup and how you're driving edtech to help people make career decisions in a better and a, a new way. So let me throw to you now and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to with your startup. Hello, everyone. Hello, Tony. Thanks uh, for this invitation to join you with this podcast. I am Alexander. I'm a founder of EdTech Startup Choisy. Uh, originally, I'm from Ukraine. Uh, we started working with Choisy in 2019, but our career guidance, our EdTech story started a little bit earlier. It was 2014, just I graduated from university, didn't know what to do. And together with friends, we started, it was offline. At that time, it was offline educational uh, company. And we also helped uh, school children with career guidance, but also we helped students with different interesting educational opportunities. We helped them to move abroad. Uh, we brought some German uh, US students uh, to Ukraine. So it was also interesting and challenging experience. But then in five years, we understood that we need to move and, uh, and uh, make a next step. That's why we decided to start and to launch Choosy. It's a really interesting experience. I've used the app. And first of all, I think that the user experience itself is fantastic. But I was also captured by the educational element and, and the self-guidance that goes with it. And I imagine when it started, to your point, it was offline when it started, that there have been many iterations that brings it to this wonderful user experience today. What have been a couple of the, the really big learning moments for you as a, a founder driving your startup? I remember when we just had the only idea when we decided to start our first group of test users were really our participants from Career Guidance Offline Camp. We gave them certain ideas. We discussed with them uh, these ideas and really we enjoyed that. We really changed a little bit our product. And every time we try to communicate with our users, of course, moving from offline to online at tech startup, we lost this connection from users this face-to-face uh, -face connection that's why we try still to adapt but maybe maybe i think covid makes uh, everyone more connected uh, with the help of zoom with the help of different online tools that's why still we try to communicate with our users we still try to ask uh, for their opinion 
And uh, currently, we also not just communicate with only uh, school children, with users, but also with schools, because uh, now nowadays we are also working with the schools as B2B clients. That's why we try to both listen to the opinion of users and listen to the opinion of schools. And moreover, I am also teaching currently. That's why I have great opportunity <laughs> to communicate with my users, my potential users, my current users every day uh, at school and better understand them how they live, how they think, how they feel, what they like, what they dislike, what are the current trends in the modern teenager society. There's something that's very rich in the data, I'm sure, that would advise educational strategists because to get that real pulse of the communities, the educational communities of, of, of children and young adults, there's no better way to get that than when they're putting down their aspirations or they're trying to enter their aspirations and to see if the educational system is there to support them in growing to that point, but also progressing beyond into their undergraduate and postgraduate careers. Yeah, that's true. And another uh, big help for me and big assist for me is that they have a smaller brother and sister and they are teenagers. They're 17 and 14. It's very funny that my brother always says, oh, you are an old man. You don't understand everything. Still, I tell him, oh, no, I every day communicate not just with you, but also with your friends, uh, with uh, people of your age. That's why I try to be in trend. Still, uh, even I understand it could be sometimes rather challenging and complicated. How do you work out your priority stack? So when I think about what you're, you're tackling and the way from my investigation of what you're doing and how you're approaching it, there are so many different ways that you could provide education and the content that you do through your app and also different, different voices you would listen to. How do you do that decision-making? Uh, the most challenging thing is, uh, for us maybe just to stop be too creative and too innovative because sometimes uh, really our ideas and our desire to add something, add new features, add uh, new technologies uh, for the app could really uh, harm our app because uh, sometimes we need to introduce something. We need to wait for a certain period of time, check how users like it or dislike it, how they cooperate with this new feature. And also our IT department sometimes... Uh, ask oh please stop <laughs> not so many new features and not so many uh, new technologies that you want to introduce that's why it was it's like the most challenging thing for me because both i have lots of ideas and our users are ready to change every time and add some something new because probably teenagers are the most innovative or maybe uh, innovative uh, part of the society that's why it's the most challenging thing. At the beginning, we had really lots of ideas, but now we try to control ourselves. Try to bring that blend, I suppose, of aspiration and inspiration to a maturity and having to actually chunk it down. What would be a, it's probably not a fair question, but to go from a thought to actually producing it as a, a part of the experience in the app, is that a three to six month period or a one to three month or a three to nine month? What does that look like for you and your team? Uh, it depends. It really depends. It depends on the um, how complicated is this idea, especially in terms of the technology, because sometimes we as a team have a great, bright idea. Then we check it with our marketing department. We communicate with users. And I am as a CEO, I want immediately this idea to be introduced in my app. 
but then our technology department starts working and working and once again also testing because it should work properly. We can't really make this uh, feature uh, in our app if it doesn't work properly. And it's not so easy because uh, in our app we have also in machine learning elements. I can't say it's artificial intelligence. It's not yet artificial intelligence. It's some machine learning elements. That's why it makes our app even more complicated in terms of technology. And sometimes uh, one of the features that really we want to be introduced usually can take several months. Yeah, it's not like seven, six, nine months. It's like not more than three months. But the funniest thing is that sometimes uh, some of the features we wanted to introduce we don't do that because something changes in these three months we make uh, either small pivot or really we understand that we have a new client we need to adapt more for this bigger client big school and sometimes uh, some of the features are not introduced the most funny thing that it's rarely but it happens that the features that we made and have it introduced we can do it in a year for example when we see oh it's the most uh, suitable time for this feature now. And we have it. It's already done by our IT department. So we always tell our IT department, don't worry, don't be sad when you made something for three months, but we don't introduce it in our app. That's a great way to think about it. Have you found that there's a certain community that have embraced what you're offering faster than others? Currently, from the, I think it's about like last year or something like that, we really focus more on working with international schools. So really, we try to have a close contact with different international schools to work as a community. And it's, it became much easier for us uh, to really uh, bring what they need. Because as we started, maybe as every startup in the world, we had really global plans. We wanted that everyone really should use our app. It will really change the whole career guidance system in the world. But then we understood that it's rather hard and we tried to adapt and we tried to find our ideal customer. It was very hard way and that way sometimes we were uh, felt ourselves very depressed because uh, we understood that our product is good, uh, users need it, but we haven't found our ideal user. And finally, we found these international schools, and it also happened uh, maybe uh, because of me. I started my teaching career at university, but then I had an uh, offer to move from university to the international school, and being involved in teaching international school, I understood better them and uh, understood how we can make them and work with them as our clients. So that's why currently it's easier for us. We really have this uh, community of international school and we are moving forward in really deepening our connections with international school. I think you make a really interesting point there and that is as much as the technology is all interesting and exciting, it's all about being understand the customer. It doesn't matter what we're trying to deliver as a service or a product. So getting closer and closer to the international schools, do you think that that will stay your core focus community for the near future? We'll see. Currently, yeah, it's our plan and to go deeper with connection with international schools. There are plenty of them and all over the world. And I really enjoy that. Uh, it was hard for me to uh, decide which market we should choose. We started in Ukraine, then we moved to the United Kingdom and we tried to work there. And it was rather hard because uh, sometimes uh, people from other countries also ask, oh, it really have a nice app. We want to use it while you focus just on the U. 
UK, you need to come to our other market and we then try to analyze that market, how we can enter it, what can we offer to the users. And currently with the help of working with international school, we are working globally because it doesn't matter where is uh, Cambridge or IB international school is located. They have the same curriculum and they work according to this curriculum. And we have currently clients both in South America, in Europe, in Asia. And doesn't matter that uh, they are in different continents. We communicate with them in English. Uh, children are studying uh, in English and they have the same curriculum. It's really great and it's really unites the world and we enjoy it. Something very powerful, I think, about the guidance being delivered through the app, through the machine learning. Diversity and inclusion is something that is such an important topic for us as small groups and large groups. To be able to go and use an app without the app paying attention to whether I'm young, old, left-handed, right, whatever it might be, there is so much power to me as somebody looking for that guidance. Was that part of your early thinking or it rapidly became part of your thinking that it would give that unbiased, almost take away the halo effect of anybody using the app and give them some really clear, objective feedback? So I want to add a little bit about machine learning. You started talking about it. So I remember when this idea appeared, because as we started as uh, launch choices, there was no idea of introducing machine learning. And I remember that I really enjoy reading and reading startup books. And uh, I remember I read one book about artificial intelligence and another book, uh, it was called Bad Blood, about the startup Terranos. I think you know it. Yeah, Uh, it was really bad and awful example how startups shouldn't uh, act in any way but what i enjoyed in this uh, ceo of uh, the startups that she really has her goal and she goes to her goal doesn't matter that it's real or unreal so really i thought why should we start and work in our startup on some very easy things that everyone else can do and i remember i came to our cto and say i have idea but don't kill me, please. We need to introduce artificial intelligence our app. Is it possible? He was thinking for certain seconds and they'd say, probably yes. Then I really, uh, he maybe uh, was not very happy with that conversation and that he told probably yes, because it was really long and very complicated way to introduce it. And still it's not, as I mentioned, it's not real artificial intelligence. It's more machine learning because uh, some of the startups are cheating, telling, oh, we are artificial intelligence startup. I don't like when startups cheat. That's why really we tell the truth that we try to be artificial intelligence startup, but still we are more machine learning. and really. We enjoyed this long path because firstly, we started, we understood that to learn uh, and to teach our app, act like a human and offer something great uh, career guidance passes, we really need to try to think about them, like how they could work, how can we make it just with a pen and paper, how these passes can develop and how we go to certain uh, different ways. And that's why it was amazing. And really, we uh, collected lots of feedback from users. One of our concerns when we started working with machine learning and future artificial intelligence was if our app will recommend something not appropriate because it just learns how to act. It was a big concern for us, but then we decided that, okay, it's not like the medical app. We are not trying to save someone's life with the help of this app. And sometimes career guidance tests, they also make mistakes. That's why we like uh, write that 
It could be not like 100% correct answer. You need it's just a recommendation. And if you are doubting, you can communicate with career guidance uh, counselors and really they may also help. you. And after that, the results <laughs> started being much better. So because firstly, we started was like about 60% of the accuracy of the results. And currently it's like more than 90%. So that's why the results are good. Still, it could be sometimes that uh, based Based on the person's mood, how the person watches this video and reacts to them in the app, the results may be not perfect as they could be. So that's why our app could be used by anyone. Also, the important thing is that our app is could, could be used by anyone as we tell that if you are made a mistake, if you're a career switcher, if you want to change and use other field, you can also use our app. Still, some of the users say, write us, oh, your app is just for children. Say, no, it's not. You can use it. Still, maybe our communication and marketing communication we built was mostly focused on children. And it was, we tried to to communicate with like career counselors and with psychologists who work with the career switchers still it's rather hard for them uh, to really say that yeah we need this app we need to use it uh, and to say oh we are not teenagers and we can use this app so still it's for everyone as we wanted to start yeah but also mostly it's focused on the teenagers because teenagers need it mostly and it's the first step for them to know what will be their future career it's also an educational process, I imagine, where you're approaching professionals in the counsellors and having to be sure they understand this is to support them, not to replace them. Because it's not about challenging somebody to say that they're not doing the job well, but here's an additional tool that you can put into your toolkit. That's true. And when we started, we really, by ourselves, our team, we tried I think tens, maybe almost, I don't know, 20, 30 career guidance tests. And we understood that they are not ideal. Really, uh, sometimes uh, as a in bad uh, detective book, I can understand what will be at the end. <laughs> and sometimes, really, it was very funny that one, uh, some of the part of the test, for example, gave me the result as a teacher, another part as entrepreneur, third part as, I don't know, journalist or writer or something like that. And I understood whom I will be from this test, I don't know, from the first five six questions and really we see and we collected the feedback from uh, teenagers who said oh it's too boring to answer these questions for two or three hours at the end we just don't focus on them try to uh, really finish this test as uh, fast as possible and when we started our app we also communicated with uh, career counselors and psychologists and asked them their opinion about our app is it possible to uh, substitute career guidance test of course the response is no it's not possible no just career guidance test it's a classic it's a science we can't uh, replace them okay still we try <laughs> so then when we already introduced our app and communicated with career counselors and offered them to add our app to their different tools and offer it to their clients some of them were really not very open to that they told that we have already tests we have already tools we use them and then we started to communicate with some of the career counselors not just from the position of clients but like to make some kind of marketing conversation uh, what they use what they like what they dislike and uh, we found several really very friendly <laughs> career counselors who told us that you need to focus more mostly on the younger and just like a newcomers to this profession. 
because still they don't have their pack of tools and still they are looking for something new. Those who are already 5, 10, 15 years in this career, uh, they already found what works and they simply don't want to change it because it's very easy to ruin what is working. So still, it was one of our ways of how we found our clients. Finally, we really decided to work mostly with international school because with career counselors, uh, it was very hard to find like some kind of way for them to them and uh, also the every career counselor is very individual and we start communicating and we start changing a little bit our app for this career counselor and finally we ask him so how many clients you have how many clients uh, can use our app oh mm, three or four and we say oh, we made so much work for just three or four users. Uh, so it's really other situation with school when we really try to work closely with the school as a B2B client and they offer it to hundreds of students and hundreds of users. So that's why much better for us. I always wonder about data and intuition and how a startup starts with a, a point of view and a founder starts up with a point of view. And then as you get more and more data, how easy is it still for you to go with your, your instincts and your intuition? What you're describing there feels like there's still a rich place in your business for intuition, but you rapidly test it and settle on the strategy after refining it with the data. Is that a reasonable interpretation of what you've just described? Yeah, uh, when we started, maybe most of our ideas were based on intuition, simply just even to start uh, my offline business, it was just intuition. We haven't made any research at all. Of course, going to the startup, we made some research, but still we didn't have any data. I remember even uh, communicating and working with our financial manager and uh, to make some financial forecast. We simply just were guessing. I told him, mm, and if I don't like these numbers, and uh, what if we change it? You can do it. It's just forecast. We don't have any data based on. Currently, really, uh, all our offers all our ideas are really checked and double-checked using the data and using the past data that we have already. And maybe it makes uh, this startup process less romantic and less uh, interesting, but still it's more predictable. We try really to avoid risks because making some fail decisions and not very appropriate decisions really may cost us uh, time and money. And sometimes time is even, uh, to lose time is even worse than lose money. So that's why we try to check and double check. And the best thing that no one really is uh, affected by that, oh, my idea wasn't good or something like that. I offered that and uh, we checked and data showed that we can't work with this idea anymore. So it's not a problem. The same for me as a CEO. I can offer something. I know that the marketing department will double check it and uh, only after that this idea can start be like live in our app or it will be just uh, closed tell me as a ceo what gives you the most joy what is the thing that really has you spring out of bed in the morning and just so excited to be working as part of your team it's i think uh, during the different periods of uh, startup uh, life, there are different moments that really drive me. Sometimes I try to find them because, uh, you know, the life of a startup founder is very challenging. And sometimes, really, you may feel yourself 
rather bad and uh, you may have some kind of depression. So I really enjoy the idea process. Even our startup is currently three years old, still we have lots of ideas. We are discussing them, we are communicating over them. And the most, I think, the best uh, challenging moment is when this idea starts work. When we see how this idea appeared, how this idea burned, and then this idea is introduced in our app. Yeah, it takes several months. And sometimes I'm not fully involved in the process of the how idea is developed because it's mostly for our product owner, for our IT department. Sometimes, yeah, I visit this at different uh, meetings, uh, online meetings with my team, but still I'm not fully involved in that. And then we see it in the app. We test it. We show it our users. We receive this positive feedback. So there are lots of moments. I'm working on an idea. It really drives me. Receiving positive feedback from my from uh, our users, it's also drives. To see that the team is happy, that they're communicating, that they're friendly, because uh, at the, like, the beginning we had some conflicts in team and some of the members of teams, they came and left. Currently, and I hope it will be so, I see that really we found not just a good specialists and not just professionals. We found really nice people uh, and it's comfortable for such people to work together and we already have our startup culture the funniest thing uh, we wanted to hire one person we really told a lot about our startup culture how we work together and this person said yeah yeah i'm ready i enjoy this type of culture it's really best suits me and she started working just for one day and i see no she doesn't suit our culture i don't know why she lied to me in the interview and i told her you're a great specialist that's why we wanted to hire you but we see that you simply don't suit our culture sorry for that but we can't work together so that's why this common culture like common things that uh, unite us together also makes me happy so there are lots of small small moments that can make uh, a startup founder and ceo happy so at least there are some things that make you happy. That's a wonderful part of the story and part of the answer. Alexandra, could you close for us today by sharing some perspectives and experiences around coaches and mentors and how you've been able to find people and how you might, I guess, give some advice to somebody thinking about pursuing a coach or a mentor? I think uh, if you have already a certain amount of experience, and you not just want to accumulate and collect it, you want to share it with other people. If you have such opportunities, you enjoy it. Uh, probably you can uh, also start your, it's not like career, maybe it's like a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. For me, it's like a hobby. So uh, as a mentor, as a coach, and you can help others. Firstly, before even being uh, not just a startup founder, but a mentor in different uh, startup accelerators, I started my channel in telegram it's a messenger but you can also have different channels and write about some things i started my telegram channel about startups and i just wrote my thoughts and my experience that's it and more and more people join the channel <laughs> currently it's uh, almost 2500 people there and uh, ukrainian founders of ukrainian startups and really uh, the funniest thing is that more people in the startup community uh, may know me not just because of my startup but also because of my telegram channel and then i understood so maybe i need also to try to help like startups communicating with them giving some advice and maybe here my teaching experience also helped 
me, but uh, I really enjoy this career. And recently, we decided that it's it's not enough for me just to be a mentor. I found some uh, two other partners, and we started a startup studio, and we help also like uh, startups uh, on this early stages startup to make these first steps to avoid so many mistakes that lots of startups made. We also made lots of mistakes, I think, as every startup. Uh, so that's why I, I also enjoy it. It also drives me. And uh, what is important for me, maybe if I had just a startup and I am uh, was focusing just 24 hours a day, seven uh, days a week just on my startup, maybe I will feel myself worse than I really switch activities. I am working with my startup, uh, then I have a teaching opportunity, then I'm mentoring startups. And really changing these activities and looking uh, into the, my startup from different points of view and not being 24 hours involved in it, it really makes uh, makes my startup and me feel personally much better. Wonderful tips and a terrific place for us to wrap today. Thanks so much for joining me. It's a great story and there couldn't be a more important pursuit than helping young people make career choices. So I wish you well. I'll be paying attention to what you're doing and I appreciate your time today. Uh, thank you, Tony. I think it was a really great experience. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Feedback is always welcome. And I would appreciate introductions to potential future guests to invite onto the podcast. But that's it for today. Thanks for listening and bye for now.